Oh, that was loud. Good evening, good evening, good evening. You ready for another KG, Fifth Water Wildcat, and Doc Podcast. We're going to get right into it, talking a lot of college football today. Fellas, how are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Witness uh, some strange events on last evening. And I'm doing well. Ahead. Thank Feeling you, sir. Good. Just getting back in town from another trip, this time to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Yeah, in Big Ten country where they're watching a lot of losing. Yeah, and they were a lot of so professors, even if... Is it vocal? Yeah, even the professors on campus oh. were acknowledging that uh, things were not, not as usual. <laughs> when, when academics say that you're not doing good, you're yeah, not doing good. I, I thought that was quite interesting because we don't hear that down here. <laughs> I was up there for a UM diversity and kinesiology uh, alliance with three other HBCU programs, which included the fourth one that I'm a part of, obviously, is Texas Southern University along with three professors from three other HBCU institutions, Johnson C. Smith out of Charlotte, Hampton out of Hampton, Virginia, and Howard out of Washington, D.C. Um, and so they want to create an alliance and create a pipeline to increase, increase the diversity, particularly in sports management, exercise science, leading to masters and ultimately Ph.D. of people of color uh, and hopefully to a larger extent, African-American students, uh, as well as Hispanic and Latin American students, earning masters, PhDs, and growing the program. So I represented, provided information that they asked, and, and was happy to provide an avenue for students at Texas Southern University to look at a career path in terms of earning masters, ultimately a PhD. Congrats, sir. Congrats. Well, let's talk first. Let me say this. The 59-0 to zero whitewashing of Roll Tide over the Texas Aggies still gives me joy. Great pleasure. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I posted it on Twitter, posted it on my Facebook account. Thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. Still enjoy it. How you like them apples? Gag them, not gig them. Gag them. Tomorrow at work, I am going to walk around proudly with a big old grin on my face. Roll Tide. Comments. Hey, they got they got droves. A week after being insulted by the media and by fan base that he wasn't doing enough, I guess he went in the Tuesday's meeting and said, "Fellas, we're done with pussyfooting around. It's time we just let the rest of these folks in the nation know who we are and what we do down here in the south." And Nick Saban and the boys rolled into Aggieland and said, "Fellas, look at all these folks around here. Let's shut them up." Am I wrong with that, Doc? No, he, he definitely well, was. Well, the game was in Alabama. It was in College Station. That would have made it even sweeter if it was in College Station. Well, I think the way he's but, he's speaking of that shut up those Alabama fans that are asking all these questions. I think. Oh, he yeah. Was, he was shutting up. He shut up because <laughs> as someone talking. tweeted uh, yesterday, Nick had a look, look at his face like, are you not entertained? <laughs> are you not? Are you not entertained? Don't forget that comment. Don't forget to put that, that quote in the, in the podcast. Add that little sound base, please. That was outstanding. Are you not entertained? So Nick Saban still rules the SEC, despite the fact now that we have four teams from the SEC West Division in the top five and now, AP poll. Doc, now that's going to create a problem. Why? Because, first of all, the, the Big Ten is not being competitive enough. You know, Michigan State will, will get a shot just because they'll win the conference. Uh, Florida State yesterday kind of like stumbled, but they found a way to pull it out. They stumbled all year, but they're still undefeated. 
they'll get their shot. Some, at least two of the conferences are going to get left out. Uh, possibly if Notre Dame is the independent that makes it in, I still don't see how you really get more than one SEC team in the program. At, at the end of the day, you're going to see some of those four of the top five programs. They still got to play each other. So you're going to get lost there. Right. Um, and you, so I you're going to get some that, of those teams like that are going to get. Two, if there are two losses, I don't see them getting, getting in that top four. For sure. But um, I mean, it's, it's almost like we're kind of like waiting for a team in the Pac-12 in the Pac-12 kind of stumble back and forth. Over themselves and, uh, well, I think I still we got a lot to play it out. I see you see a Arizona team that's starting to emerge, right? So we got to give them some credit. Uh, you I got agree. Arizona State, so you can see how that plays out. Um, obviously, you have the one loss Oregon team. It's be the Michigan State team that's solid. You, that matchup between Michigan State and Ohio State now is going to look like it's going to be a huge solid one. And you know you're going to get some prime time games. It's going to be interesting to see how these championship games play out. You know, what type of rankings you get in those championship games, how they're played, because they're going to be primetime games. They're going to be pretty much the single game that people are focused on. So depending on what those matchups are, you're still going to get some matchups where you can get a four versus an eight or something like that in those matchups that's going to dictate. So I think it's a little early to crown that the SEC is going to push through and get two teams in. I, I think it'll be interesting. I think it's going to play out a little bit. They are going to defeat each other, eat each other up in a lot of ways, and find a way to kind of stay in the top ten. But, Doc, Doc, I don't see it. The SEC media machine is already working. Are they rolling it's, hard? It's already working. You can see them com- campaigning for it already. With the touting it already, 14, first time ever. You know, we got four teams from one division, one conference in the top five. Yes, they're going to play each other, beat each other up. And they're going to say, but see, the quality of our team, we're so good. Those Nobody are quality losses. Back. Those are quality quality losses. You couldn't have Florida State coming out of division and going defeated. See how great we are? It's already started. Because they are, they are going to him and Hall yeah, and cry think- and complain. And then they'll set, set up my, this would, be, this would be a moot point if they would do one thing that I brought up in few, previous podcasts. Win your freaking division. And if you don't, shut up. And you're not even in the playoff contention, right? Until and I they think do that, that, that I, get... I, I think though you're going to have that committee is going to do a lot of that. The committee is not going to be talked in by the media mm. in regards to that. You're going to have some people on the committee that are loyal to that, but I don't think that committee is going to be uh, just talked in the same way. Now, what will be interesting is when these this committee remember they're going to start to release their top twenty five. Next week or next week? Uh, I think it's next week where they'll start All doing right. their top twenty five. That'll give you some more framework to kind of see if what you're saying is holding more true than what we thought. But I think those are some key indicators that we need to watch before I jump on board in terms of believing that the SEC media is going to be strong enough to create Alabama the scenario plays. that you're saying. Now, Mississippi the, State and Auburn still up in their schedule. Now, with that right. being said, that would expect the reason now, the, Alabama, the reason these yeah. other people were put on the, on the committee, like uh, 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 um, Tom Osborne, Connelly the Rice. Yeah, Connelly the uh, Rice, the, those folks, and uh, Tom Osborne, you know, people with Pat Hayden, you know, people that were, that were, that were were in athletics and then someone that wasn't to put a balance on and to just basically say, I'm going to just look at games, you know, 
as just as a fan, and then make my decision on what I see. Then and you and, and not be hard, hard, hard No, but I think they're gonna. I agree with that. But I think they're also gonna go inside those numbers. It's gonna be similar to what you said to basketball, and they're gonna have a lot of formulas that are gonna allow them to go into numbers, and they're gonna see some things that a lot of us forget. For example, that Auburn all but should have lost to Kansas State. That now is coming up and showing that they are right. a solid team, we Big win. 12. So now if you come up at the end and Kansas State wins the Big 12 and their only loss uh, is to Auburn, you're going to lead them out to put Auburn in if Auburn Probably. runs the table and loses to yeah. Alabama? Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't see that in terms of that committee doing it. I can see some media fans doing that, but I don't yeah. see the committee doing it. And I hope you're right. But for the first four-team playoff, whatever they want to call it, whatever it's called, until two SEC teams are not in it, I was going to say two will be in it (laughs) and be pissed off when it happens. I'm expecting it to happen. Despite the fact Mississippi State and Ole Miss play each other, so one of them will have a loss. Uh, Alabama still plays two of those teams, so they'll they'll play Mississippi State and Auburn, so they could have – a loss. Scenario will be set up where the four of those teams will all have one loss in the division and and somebody's going to say, well, we're one-loss teams. Our one loss is just as good as anybody who's undefeated in the country or better than some of those two-loss teams. That is how they have poisoned the national landscape, the national consciousness with how great they are. They don't care about the national consciousness. So that's... that's so until that. Exactly. So until... <laughs> Okay. It is announced. The four teams are announced. I am saying right now that two teams from the SEC will be in the Final Four, and it will piss me off. Now, Doc, being all honest and being level-headed, the first commi- the, the first breakout will have at least two teams as it as it looks today. Just right now, it'll have two teams from from the. Uh, from the SEC. I can't you see. You, you don't see the first you don't No, because first, first of all, I think those you, teams, as you, I said. You don't think the first list will, will have two? I think. The yeah, first the first list may have a couple of teams. Nah, I didn't, I didn't, no, all they, they didn't say who's going to be in. All they said they were going to rank the top 25. Okay. So I could see them ranking okay. several of them in there. That's, but, all, that's all I'm saying, Doc. That's all I'm saying. Well, I can see that, but I, I say that's just a bunch of a lot because it doesn't say anything because those teams got to play each other. And. So they once they play each other, you're going to start play, falling out. I mean, Ole Miss, Mississippi State still play each other. We just said Alabama has to play two of those teams. Auburn has to play two of those teams and vice versa. So, And drawing on the principles and practices of what they use in formula and all in the final four, uh, in the, uh, putting the tables together, which KG and, and I and myself have, have been a part of and, and watched it transpire. Uh, as you mentioned before, the two things that they kind of like list on and that they pay attention to on the day of when they're when they are making their decision, games and progress. That particular weekend, when they put that final list together, that's when we're going to all see it all play out in front of us on TV. Strength of schedule. That's what they're going to say, I'm sure. And they're going to say, well, the SEC West is so dominant their strength of schedule. Well, I think some of those teams are still going to have some problems with strength of schedule because while the strength of each, playing each other is uh-huh. going to be raised, their non-conference schedule that they play is going to weigh them down. 
when they use the strength of schedule that's true. calculation. Now, it should. The other thing that's been, it that's, should. That's also gets used that most people don't pay attention to or don't don't uh, get privy to is injuries during the season when they lost games, when they won, when those kids or when those particular kids came back, and what and, and how far along did they move them? You know, back up into the uh, process. Uh, Process. Yeah, and they're definitely going to weigh all that, just like they do in basketball. So the way I see it, though, the problem you're going to have, you're going to have, the way I look at it, more than likely three of those four teams that you see up there are going to have two losses. From the SEC West? Yes. Because they play each other. Yeah, well, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. okay. Mathematically, they Mississippi, have to Miss, No, Mississippi State can run a table and lose to Ole Miss. That'll be their only loss. Yes. So they won't have two losses. Right. But who does Mississippi beat to get there? If Miss if Ole Miss, let's let's look at this schedule. Ole Miss has already picked up Auburn. Let's just they, look at they, it. Here. I mean Ole Miss has already beaten Alabama. Which means Correct. they still have to play Auburn. So they so they have Auburn left. They have LSU coming up this Saturday. Then Auburn next Saturday, and then they end with the Egg Bowl right. against Mississippi State. So they mean so Ole Miss could run the table, right? Which means Auburn would get a loss. Auburn would have two losses. I mean, yes. Okay. Which means Mississippi State would have a loss. If they run the table. Okay. Well, yeah. If Ole Miss or Mississippi State one of them runs the table, that means their in-state rival will have one loss right. for sure. So, so we'll have Auburn with two losses. Yeah. Alabama still has to play. Mississippi State, I think. So right. yes. So they were And they still gotta play Auburn. Right. So that's what I'm saying. Mathematically So two of them would be gone. Yeah. Okay. Period. Two will be gone. But that's they're gonna just have two, two losses. But that's just two. Right. And so you can work it out where one team could be have a very good argument. Uh but that's my point I'm trying to get to is while it looks like No, no, what I, there's a I, huge I hear, no, I agree with what you're saying, but you get to a, those teams are basically gonna in, essentially play in one, themselves. In out. one scenario though, it's yeah, I believe it's possible that Alabama and Auburn could have two losses, but Ole Miss and Mississippi State would only have one loss. Right. Which which would throw out Auburn and throw so, out Alabama. But if Ole Miss and Mississippi State have one loss between them, that still leaves two SEC teams in the Final Four. Okay. Now. No, I don't think I don't think you're gonna get a Ole Miss or a Mississippi State to get jumped over. Now, over, over now you can talk about getting over jumped over Ohio State or getting jumped because over because of name recognition and travel exactly. things like that. We'll Michigan, see. Now, Michigan it's, State, it's even. It's, it's, you just, he just mentioned that. Travel. Well, it, it, since we're in a playoff platform, so to speak, will travel as far as fan base? Can you fill a stadium up? Will that because that's supposed to be taken out of the out of the mix? Because they still got bowl games and all to fill up um, in the process, right in the, in the next tier down. Saying that, well, that that shouldn't be. I think obviously mentally, one it's not going to come into play yeah. based on what's on paper. Take it out, take it but out. you know, human emotions will say that to some degree, uh, even with people just selecting, even if they try to put it out of place. To, Somehow it is going to come in there, but I think it's going to be so little that no, it's not going to be something that you can notice. But I, I do believe brand name, uh, by definition, will come into play uh, in terms of that brand name of institution will come in there. So, why are you saying I would think the team that you would worry about 
uh, that comes out of this would be a one-loss Alabama uh, that in Mississippi State, Mississippi uh, is the team that beat them, and both teams are tied with one loss, and Mississippi goes and plays for the SEC championship. I think that's the scenario that would be most detrimental for those that do not want to see SEC with two teams because of the brand name of Alabama and the fact that, obviously, Mississippi would go if they won the entire SEC. You have a one-loss Alabama. A lot of people are going to put see in their mind that uh, – Because the kicker is Georgia may be the best team in the whole SEC. Right. And may win the SEC championship, which would definitely give Mississippi or State or, or, or Mississippi two losses, really put some stuff in the game then. Right. So those, that's why I said it's – one thing I will say about the SEC uh, is it is a strong enough league that they do cannibalize themselves in a lot of ways. But I think that's going to end up hurting them more than it does help them. We, we shall see. I know a lot of folks were – Moving over to the next conference, which is the Big, uh, the, uh, Big 12. The ACC? Oh, hell. ACC is Florida State yeah, to lose. That's right. That's, that's that, that's Even a one-loss Florida State. Last yeah. night was the biggest chance for anybody to, to like push some pressure on them going the rest of the way. Am I wrong? No, I've said that for, for weeks. Correct. You know, so now you're looking at what's left. Yeah, and what's I still, I still would suggest even if they lose a close one to Notre Dame, I still think winning the ACC puts them in. You're not going to leave the team that just won a championship. <clears throat> In the old format, out. No, no. With more than one. All right. They would have in the, to. In the Big 12, Oklahoma State has. They're dead. Uh, and now, I'm sorry. Kansas State has Texas, Oklahoma State, then TCU, then West Virginia. And they got TCU and West Virginia right behind each other uh, on November the 8th and November the 20th. They play on a Thursday. They play on a Thursday night, and then they finish. Kansas State finishes out the season with uh, uh, who is it? Uh, with Kansas. So that, that they've only got three tests left. Game with Oklahoma State. Uh, that shouldn't be a test. And then uh, TCU Oklahoma State playing. And West Virginia. Yeah, TCU is on the test. TCU is the highest ranked Big Twelve team right now in the polls. Right, and playing. They're playing they're tenth. Now, after what Kansas State did this past weekend, does that move them? Does it move? Does TCU move up and Kansas State move behind them? Or how close do you get behind them? In the poll, TCU is 10th. Kansas State is 11th. Baylor is 12th. Right. All right. And that's, that's this week. That's, that's, that's today. Today. That was released mm-hmm. today. All yep. right. Now, does Kansas State, when they, does it all boil down to that one game? Going forward, between the two, between TCU and, and, and Kansas State. Yeah, I don't think that's basically going to find out who wins the conference and who sets himself oh, to so put their the resume on the table with one loss. And 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 we'll see because and if it's TCU, I think they have a better argument uh, with the one loss being that it was a twenty-one point where they would pretty much dominate the game and just kind of fell apart because. But TCU's non-conference schedule is Sanford, Minnesota, and SMU. Uh, right, but who who has a who's in the top ten that has a solid? 
Uh, Kansas State's better than TCU. Right. But I'm saying if they won. I'm right. saying if they won, they because you now you add the fact that you have a two-loss Kansas State team on your resume, you have a one-loss or two-loss Baylor on your schedule, a win over Oklahoma. So your resume starts to fill up just with your conference opponents that are going to be top 25 wins. You know, Michigan State played Jacksonville State, Oregon, uh, Eastern Michigan, and Wyoming. They're uh, non-conference. Right. That's just, nobody, nobody plays. You won't. You won't find teams starting to strengthen their non-conference schedules over the next two years. You'll start seeing a lot yeah. less of those games being played. It's coming. Because it's going to be coming in a formula, more use. Plus, you have to remember a lot of the games that were scheduled this year and next year have been already scheduled. Right. So you'll start to see a turnaround in terms of schedule. I think I noticed that Texas and LSU will play a two-game series uh, in over the next 10 years or something. They've released that schedule. So you'll start seeing a lot more of those matchups which will be much more entertaining for the general fan base, those teams that use that revenue for their resources. But not for the non-Power Five, yeah. yes. Okay. Brian Kelly, that is his name, right? Notre Dame head coach? Yes. He's still crying crying about He's supposed to be. the uh, coaching illegal pick nah, plays. That's highly unprofessional. But oh, it's pick I plays. It's obvious those are pick plays. Yeah. Both of them, yeah. one was called, but both of them ran into the defensive Backs. Oh, both pick plays. Right. So if he's so well, that's the type of person that, you know. You watch anything about Kelly. That's the type of person he is. He's always crying. He sees it as fighting for his team. He's crying. He he got caught with the hands in the cookie jar, and now all he's going to do is make the referees call the play a lot more than ever before because it's obvious that it's a call. But now you're even saying that you do it all the time. So now people are going to be watching for it. So I think that was even dumb on his part to realize that all you're doing is calling out and calling more attention. So something that you do that a lot of times they look over, but by the letter of the rules, even the way you do it, it's illegal play. It was a hell of a game, though. Oh, yeah. Florida State Notre Dame was a hell of a game. I was shocked that it actually lived up to to what it Very, very entertaining. Because it actually went down to the wire to the last Very entertaining. Now let's take a moment to hear from our sponsor, THG Agency. Are you looking for business strategies and services in the areas of sports management, educational leadership, and project management for your sports camps, AAU teams, local business, or athletic department? Well, you come to the right place. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated sports entertainment, educational leadership, and project management consulting company focused on sports leadership and educational administration with six areas of consulting expertise, sports business management, educational sports assessment, data analysis, educational curriculum development, advanced leadership execution, and statistic solution consulting. Our services are well-defined but tailor-made for our clients we represent. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. Thanks once again to THG Agency for sponsoring our podcast. The other game that was entertaining that nobody saw was Iowa State in Texas. You know what? I'm glad you mentioned that because during the power outage over at HBU, we attempted to... We what happened? To, okay. How? Let, 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 what was the call? Did they announce the calls and resolutions? No. Uh, okay. Uh, Generator uh, failure on campus. Yeah. It's, 
It was campus wide, or that's at the stadium. No, it was at the stadium. Matter of fact, it has that field. Because the soccer field and the football field both both went out. So they're on different breakers. CBS was still, like it stayed on. Also, everything else in the neighborhood. That was the only thing. That was the only thing. mean they're on different breakers. Breakers, yeah. Now, in the process, what transpired was. I was an engineer in the first part of my life. I was too. That's why I was able to retire full time at age 50. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. Okay, now. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes, sir. We actually work, did a little work down right here, folks. Y'all can discuss these nerd qualities later on. Okay. <laughs> now, people, we actually did some work and all this. And the reason we're doing what we're doing now is because we decided and said, hey, mentally, we can do something else. <laughs> okay, come on. All right. But going back, going back to the last night, so, uh Man, Three call plays. me a nerd. Oh, come on. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I know. A, I thought it was quite exactly I'm a, funny. I'm a nerd, too, so that's, no, 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 that's no, why no. I'm laughing. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was like the nerd calling the nerd. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but it was three, basically it was three plays. You know, kickoff, down to the two, touchdown. HBU gets the ball back. They go mm-hmm. get out of field. It's a, it's a uh, disputed play. They go to the replay. Bam. Power's out. And I mean, it went dark. And then the country, it was always like the country. Because when it went dark, it went dark. Fans were kind of looking around and people didn't know what was going on. They're like, wow, really? Really? It was a big question. But it took us almost two hours now to, to uh, what, uh, what is it, Reliant, uh, uh, NRG, Centerpoint, whoever. They showed up, got, got the power back on. Finished the game. It was late. Um, I didn't stay only because some of us need to get some rest. But I stayed until the third quarter was over with. Um, and by that time, the game was, it got out of hand. But um, <coughs> two things I noticed last night. The gap is closed at HBU. They've still got their biggest issue right now. They've got to get some size up front. Uh, guard to guard on offense. And defense, they got to get a front four, a front three. But they can move. They actually have some schemes and all that work that works for them in that conference and on that level. That they can run the ball and they can pass the ball when they need to. Get uh, third down conversions, uh, score when they uh, to keep them in the game. And as they continue to play, remember now they're only three years in, ever. They're playing against programs that have got, uh, that's got at least fifty to almost hundred years of football in them. And depth is going to be their next uh, next replacement. That's what they're going to be getting. Get, uh, that's what they'll be in the process of doing. I will be on campus this week uh, to talk to all. Let's see, football, basketball, softball, and volleyball on campus uh, and soccer because this week is homecoming for HBU. Correct. It's also uh, homecoming for Texas Southern. And some way, somehow, Doc, I'm gonna find a way to get that. Get those doors open. I don't know how over at Texas Southern, but I'm gonna just get those doors open. And I hate to be knocking on that glass and all that they, the new doors that they have. You, know, you might break something if you. <laughs> but okay. <laughs> get get too uh, too much to it. But what they got yesterday was they got their first hundred yard rusher, uh, B.J. Kelly. He uh, put the ball in his hands and folks, let me tell you something. Stephen Boston. 
defensive coordinator. He and I be as the head coach. I, we'd have, be having a, a, a conversation today. <coughs> HBU put up 233 yards on yesterday on the ground when they needed to get conversions. They got conversions. That bothered a lot of folks, as you can see in the stats. Uh, KJ, I imagine you. Yep. Stephen F. Austin got no fourth down conversions yesterday. That's a big deal for the defense. I mean, you got to go to positive now with what you can get, you know, as, as, a, as a, uh, in a young program. And HBU got two or four on the third down conversions. It was 619 for HBU, 7 to 13 for, for, uh, SFA. The one thing that I really loved about yesterday was some balance on both sides, but more so with HBU. I'm just, every time I go out there, I'm, in, I'm impressed by something new positive that they working on getting better. They got over, uh, over almost 450 yards total, 19 first down, and time of possession. It wasn't so much that they, uh, it took them a while to get, you know, get back and forth downfield, but it was just that they took what the defense gave them, used it to their advantage, got things done. Um, and in the process, uh, you, you got what you got yesterday, final score was 59 27. Uh, Stephen F. Austin now is 5-2, and two, and they're 2-1 in the conference. Uh, Sam Houston State lost to Northwestern State yesterday, late in the game. It was, I think it was, final score was 31-27. They, they were on one of the, uh, one of the four letters yesterday. I, I was kind of happy to see that, uh, on TV. It kind of shocked me that a little bit. But they were playing at Northwestern State in Natchez. It was good for the Southland. They had, they had a good day. That was a television game for the Southland as well. I saw a part of that game. Pretty, Nice televised game. I was impressed with the stadium. I hadn't been in that. I've been at that Northwest Stadium in a while. Um, nice place. Nice place. I think it was on the cube that I thought. Uh, that, that's part of that package, yep. This, this, the uh, highlights was uh, sophomore quarterback Jonathan Fleming. Fleming was uh, 14 and 31 for 214 yards, two touchdowns. Um, redshirt freshman Craig Bell rushed for 66 yards and scored twice on 11 carries. And the star of HBU was, uh, BJ Kelly, 16 carries for 123 yards, and TD. It was good. It was good yesterday. And, uh, oh, and, as and, and I will finish up with this. Um, today I watched softball and volleyball over at the University of Houston. Both teams won. You should be happy. Katie Play has the uh, volleyball, uh, program going in the right direction. You can see that the interview uh, later on. I will. I talk, had a chance to talk to her. Coach uh, Holis was planning a back-to-back exhibition, uh, uh, ball, uh, fall ball, softball. Had a nice crowd out there today. Good nice crowd. And uh, I didn't get a chance to talk to her, but I will talk to her this week before the week is out. That's why he's a college sports reporter. That's right. Somebody, like you said earlier, somebody's got to do it. Correct. And as you touched on, the Huskies have homecoming this Saturday versus Nichols. Seven o'clock. I'll be able to get both games in this week, folks. Two, uh, plenty, plenty, plenty of videos in uh, autos. And hi, and where's those? Where are they gonna be posted? They're gonna we... be posted. They, they will be posted. Uh, YouTube and Blogger, AKSVZ, College Sports Report. Cool deal. And uh, Friday, Friday evening, my alma mater, Houston Cougars, win a game this week. Beat Temple surprisingly, kind of easily too. 30, 31 to 10. Temple was 4 and 1 coming into the game, and based on they played some crumbs. 
prior to uh, Friday's game because I wasn't impressed with Temple at all. Um, Temple had two good plays, screen plays to the right side and cut back to the left, and the Cougar defense had breakdowns, gave a big play, 75 and 76 yards on those plays. But other than those two big plays for Temple, Temple didn't do much else. Cougars won 31-10. They're not 2-1 in the act because this is not basketball. It's That's the act. Right. Folks. It's the act. The A-A-C. Kudos to uh, Greg Ward Jr. He had 439 total yards of offense. Uh, he's nice. 2-0 as, as a starting QB for U of H. Cougars held the ball for 42 minutes, 42 and a half minutes. Whoa, whoa, hold up now. Back up over that. Because they ran the ball. Consistently? Imagine that. 400 total yards. They had done this earlier in the season, player. run the ball, instead of throwing it 55 times. Consistently. But, you know. What's done is done. The fourth thing on the season and now, so and they can use it, use the break. And the defense gives up yards as they do, but they force turnovers. That's what they do. You know, third world defense. They're not there. They call themselves the Jack Boys. I'm not really sure why. That's not really a positive connotation to me. Call yeah. yourself the Jack Boys. But anyway, they get turnovers. They force one turnover. Temple's at the one yard line. Maybe going that's in. what it's about, that they force a turnover. I, yeah, that's what it's about. But, you know, some folks don't know what that is. Yeah. Some folks who are not hip. Yeah. yeah. Want to, yeah. okay. Yeah. Like, what are they talking about? Yeah. So. Um, and that question will come up. Oh, yes. So, they recovered the ball in the end zone. So, had a pick six for Trayvon Stewart. And I think he, I haven't heard his injury status, but he did get injured in the game on Friday. I'm not sure. Got off week, you said. So. Uh, but uh, uh, practice. Practice will be open to media tomorrow since they don't have a uh, Tuesday um, luncheon. Practice Monday's practice Monday evening's practice will be open to the media to, to talk to players and coaches, and I will get that information out, and it will be up in uh, about before ten o'clock Monday evening. Cool, cool I deal. That, I will put that up and find out. And also, you mentioned something earlier to me about uh, basketball. Basketball media day will be Tuesday since uh, Coach Levine. Press conference, weekly press conference will not have one this week because there's about an off week. Let's say an off week. U of H football next game will be uh, November 1st at uh, South Florida at USF in Tampa. Wow. Have to say that now at wow. USF. Wow. So look forward to that. But yes, men's and women's basketball media day will be Wednesday. The Wildcat will be there. I'll be in the office working because I was uh, out of the office this past week. In Birmingham at Com USA Media Day, and you can go to my blogs, men's and women's whose blogs for interviews I did with Rice Isles, head coach Mike Rhodes on men's side, and Greg Williams on women's side. Coach Williams says he has two freshmen that he's he has high hopes for. I saw that. So you can definitely read that because um, he was smack dab. He was dead serious. So he was truly he was he said. I know he's blunt with you and I. Oh, extremely. <laughs> Some of the stuff I yes I won't I won't I won't put for public consumption but yes he was very uh, serious about straightforward but he expects Wednesday night who was from San Antonio Reagan High School the same high school as Jessica Custer but she ain't Jessica Custer and she broke Jessica Custer's school scoring record she ain't Jessica Custer but uh, she coach did not expect her to do that break Jessica's Rice scoring record but uh, he touted Wednesday night and Shawnee Rainey. Another freshman, she's from Lovejoy High School, as two young ladies to uh, contribute big time this season. Now, granted, the Owls weren't predicted to have a great season this year. I don't expect them to 
do very well this season because it's it's very difficult to replace a legend Absolutely. on a on a smaller school level. This is a rebuilding. It's not reloading. It's not UConn here. So, but yeah. we'll see how that goes. You can go to there and also interviewed young Tyler Summit, head coach of Louisiana Tech. Transcribe that interview. It's, I tweeted about that. So you can go to the Houston Round Bar Reviews website, HoustonRoundBarReview.com, www.thehrr.com. I look forward to that. Click on that. Click on the interview. Read about it. I like I like this quote that he let me pull this up. I like this quote. Doc, the, the, I, the muscle vest, the, uh, the weighted vest. Oh yeah, and definitely. No basketballs in practice. I love the that. first practice. No I basketballs in practice. I love that. I saw it mentioned in the Twitterverse by asking him about it, and he said that is correct. We did not. The players did not touch a basketball for a week in the first practice. When I was doing AAU for a week, the first they week, wore a weight vest. No basketball. Practice defensive drills for the whole practice. Defense and blocking out. But the quote that I like, you know, like obviously it. he's he's Pat Summit's son. He's only 24 years old. He got hired at 23. And folks wondering, you know, why are you hiring a, a kid? Is he ready for this job? What's the privilege of and the stock that he come from? Sure. And he'll get his first opportunity to show that it exists. And plus he's at La Tech, which is a, used to be a women's basketball powerhouse, and not the alums want to return to that former glory. So I, I said to him, ask him if he's ready for that pressure, the pressure of being coach at La Tech. And he said, you can see pressure as an enemy or as an ally. That's I choose to see talking. it as an ally. That's mom talking. He looks at it straight in the eye and says, hey, either you can get this done or you can get out of my uniform and go home. So Yeah, you know, I, I like the attitude. I like the mentality. And... Uh, not necessarily just a fan, but as an individual that likes to see people uh, successful, particularly when they get opportunities that are not in the norm. Uh, and he called I, me I like sir. Have mercy. Have mercy. He called me sir. I felt old. He <laughs> called me sir. You are. But I am old compared to 24-year-old. I am old. Doc, hey, KG, we, we, we've all watched that young man grow up now. So, yes. Yeah, that's so true. Think about that now. We watched him grow up and, and witness every day. What it's like to be a coach. And he's smart because he acknowledged, you know, being a Rustin, he said if we get a top five player out of Houston, San Antonio, yeah. and Dallas, right, we will be just fine. That caught my eye, Doc, when I saw that. He said we got to get some players out of Houston. That was the first thing. When I saw that, I was like, wait a minute. Hold up. Yeah, he told, yeah. He's he looking at this from, from a realist point of that's, view. Yeah, that's, that is in, that quote, that comment is in the, the uh, blog post. A comment about Houston, Dallas, and San Antonio. That's what he told me. I didn't put that in there, but that's that's his objective. One of his goals is to get players out of those three cities because he knows their talent here in the state of Texas. It'll be interesting because I wonder how many will say, okay, I want to go there, but when they get there and actually have to do the work. He said it's going great. Recruiting is going great for him, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting. But I I think he has to be young, so I think he can relate to a lot of folks. Uh, Obviously, he he has the experience in regards to how to recruit individuals with, you know, being in the mix uh, with the program. So I think there's a chance that he could land some players, particularly on the women's side, because I think it's a little different than you see on the men's side in regards to them just kind of going to programs or whatever. So I could see him having success. He reminds me of of Josh Pastner because he coached AAU ball. Tyler coached AAU. He coached five AAU teams. Josh had the background of coaching AAU. Josh was coaching. He was like 14 years old. 
yeah. you know. So I'm, we've known Josh for years, right? And he's had a lot of success recruiting. So I think if Tyler can get talent there, it won't be long for Lightech to get back to where they believe they deserve to be. It'll be interesting to see some of his game day. Game prep. And game prep. Mm-hmm. Also as well as game action in terms of. But they're not the best team in Conference USA. So that'll be interesting. No. That Middle Tennessee and West Kentucky. There's only one coach that I've been familiar with over these years that I've seen that you would question, you know, what they would do, but they always find a way to deliver, which is Cynthia Cooper. Uh, and she's done it at various levels. And with, even as a coach. With various where, yeah, with with expectations not necessarily being there, and she just finds a way to get it done, and whether that's on the recruiting trails or not. So it'll be interesting to see somebody come outside of that that's trying to do the same thing. Can they get it done? Doc, how can folks find you, sir? Yes, they can find me uh, most frequently on the social media platforms. That's uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's social media platforms of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Again, that's Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And I'll give you a list of platforms that you can follow a lot more of my work, whether it's blog, radio, uh, podcast, just like we're doing now. Give us an HBCU update. Sure. Let's look at HBCU update on the football landscape. Biggest thing we have here is Prairie View is playing to the level many people thought they would start the season at. They put up 52 points against Valley for their homecoming. This is Valley. They just came off the huge win against Jackson State, their rival. So they were feeling good about themselves playing homecoming. Really took it to them, winning 52-19, to had a touchdown call back. Uh, Valley scored much of that 19 points um, at the end when Prairie View actually put in their reserves because it was a 52 nothing lead before Valley even got on the scoreboard, and that was after three quarters going into halftime. The score was 38 to, to nothing in shut-up fashion. So kudos to Prairie View A&M in regards to what they got done, putting up uh, 465 total yards of offense, uh, 253 passing, rushing with just two out of 12. So they have an interesting game there. Grambling con- continues to roll, particularly on the offensive Say that again. Side of the ball. Say that again. Grambling did what? They continue to roll. Put a, Are they going to keep rolling? That's the question. I think they will. I think Aren't they undefeated really in the swag, Doc? Yes, they're 5-0 and in the swag, 5-3 and overall. They have a huge game when they come up against Southern at the end. I think that's basically where it's going to come down. But they have some solid games still left on the schedule with some West teams. Still have Texas Southern. So Texas Southern is going to – want to get their winning season for the coach. So it's going to be interesting how they close out on the season themselves. Uh, that game that they're defeating, put it up those 63 points, was against Arkansas Pine Bluff. They got to turn it up 63-39. to 39. And then you have uh, the team here at Texas Southern that lost a tough game to Alcorn State. As Alcorn State obviously lost last week to Graham and wanted to bounce back. Texas Southern had a week off and was wanting to play well to get a big win on their schedule. Couldn't get it done. So... Alcorn State goes to six and two, four and one in the SWAC, while Texas Southern goes to five and two, three and two. That's uh, forty to twenty-five was that score there, which sets up a huge matchup between Prairie View A&M and Alcorn State. And one reason I particularly bring that up, not just because Alcorn State is a top ten team uh, playing well, trying to make a run at a championship, 
But that game will be played at Prairie View. It'll be the last game played at Prairie View in the stadium before they start the renovation as they take next year off playing at a different stadium. It looks like they'll play at the uh, high school in Waller, but still some final uh, to be called whether they make that move in terms of where they exactly will play next year. So that's an interesting matchup. Prairie View also needs that game as they only play 10 games this year. Mm. Obviously, they're at three and four, so they have three left on the schedule. So if they want to win a season, they have to win out, which includes their game against Auckland State. Obviously, they can still get to the 500 mark, even though, even if they lose that game. But that'll be interesting to kind of keep your eyes on. With uh, Alabama State having a week off, they have their big matchup uh, that will come down in terms of a classic matchup between the 79th Magic City Classic between Alabama A&M Bulldogs and Alabama State Hornets. That's a feature matchup that we'll watch this week. Alabama State is ranked in the top 10 HBCU sports that you want to keep your eye on in terms of what's going on. Uh, another one in the MEAC to keep your eye on, top five matchup, if you would. Bethune-Cookman versus uh, on the road at South Carolina State. This game will probably determine who will win the MEAC quite early. Uh, Bethune-Cookman comes in that game 3-0 and in conference play while the Bulldogs are 2-1 and in conference play. So keep your eyes on that matchup. It'll be fascinating to see that. That is a 12-30 game, uh, as we just told you about the Blackshire Stadium game played between uh, Alcorn State Braves and Prairie View being a 1 o'clock kickoff. So Texas Southern having homecoming this week. Big time game for them. They want to get back on their winning ways after a loss, as we said, to Alabama State. So see what they're doing this Weekend, drop down to the mid-major. A couple of key games, top ten matchups. You want to keep your eye on Livingston Blue Bears. Uh, had a big win to get back out of their two-game losing streak, but they go and play number one Winston-Salem State. Uh, Winston-Salem State wins this. It'll pretty much lock up the conference and for the uh, for the CIAA for them to play for a championship in the CIAA game. Again, as they move forward, looking to the playoffs. The other Mid-major game of the week out of the SIC will be Morehouse Maroon Tigers, number nine in the poll, uh, versus Benedict Tigers. Both teams are right at that 500 mark, uh, with Morehouse Maroon Tigers being four and three, three and two in terms of the SIC. Benedict being at three and four, and two and three. So, be interesting to keep your eyes on some of those matchups moving forward in regards to what you see going on there. Let me give you a heads up on the top five teams in the mid-major and mid-major, uh, just kind of as a tease as the poll is released tomorrow, but I will give you the top five programs here. You can see that release at onadon.com in terms of information out there. Top five mid-major programs, week number eight, number five, Fort Valley State Wildcats, five and two, three and one, moving up from the seventh spot. Number four is Virginia State Trojans, 5-2, and 4-0, playing some very good football, moving up from the sixth spot as they continue to win. Number three, Tuskegee Golden Tigers, clearly back on the winning path as they lost their first two games of the season, haven't lost since, winning five in a row. They're now 5-0 and in the SIC play. Um, this last weekend, they had their most formidable foe in terms of the West Division of the SIC thus far, playing an in-state rival with Stillman College. They really... Uh, drubbed the Stillman Tigers there. Still lingering out there is a top 10 matchup. It looks like it will be against Miles Golden Bears. Ultimately, it looks like that'll be who 
Whoever wins that will win the FCIC Western Division to play for a championship. Bringing us to number two, Virginia Union Panthers, 6-1, and 5-0. In terms of CIAA race, looks like they're trying to push forward, meaning that end-of-the-year game against rival Virginia State will be a very intriguing matchup. It looks like it'll be a matchup between top five programs to see who will play number one, Winston-Salem State Rams, who it looks like they're going away and winning uh, the South Division of the CIAA. They're 6-1, 4-0, ranked number one in the poll, all 11 first-place votes. They continue to just dominate programs, HBCU programs, particularly at the Division II level, just playing above everybody else. So those are some key matchups to watch in terms of the HBCU landscape. Big-time games, big-time programs to keep your eyes on as things continue to move forward. You only had three games in the SWAC this week, but you'll get a full slate. Give you some of the other games. Told you some key matchups. Uh, next weekend, obviously, the Magic City Classic. The other one that's key that uh, should be interesting, and somebody is really going to have those bragging rights. And for these two teams, they love it to do it to each other. It is Southern will travel to Jackson State. If Jackson State can find a way to win this game, as much as they're hurting about this season, Fans will feel just a little bit better if they can <laughs> rub their nose to the Jaguars. And the Jaguars would love nothing else to make the pain for the Jackson State Tigers go just a little bit deeper. They're, they're the type of fans when they look at you, if Jackson State has been cut and bleeding, they will actually not put a towel over it, but actually go get the salt. Let's see if they can put the salt over the wound. Then they might add the towel just to, <laughs> <laughs> to kind of give you a view on it. But that's what's going on in terms of the MEAC. Probably the most di- disappointed team, if we were looking at some grades at this part of the season, would be overall HBCU landscapes at the major division, Tennessee State. They lost their second straight game in the OVC, so they fall to one and three in the OVC. They're at the bottom of the OVC. This is a team that looked like they could uh, actually make a run for a championship in OVC, meaning they would also be in a position to make a run in the playoffs. Now, it's obvious that the playoffs is pretty much a foregone conclusion in terms of not making it, and now they just want to see if they can find a way to get a winning season. Fam, you got to give them a little love as they had fallen on hard time. They win again? They won two games in a row. Mm. They went up to Howard, mm. which was a big-time rival of them. It was Howard's homecoming. homecoming yeah, homecoming episode. Yeah. yeah the people out there have probably seen about Howard. And they defeated Howard, hung on, 31-28. to They were really playing Howard tough, jumped out big in terms of halftime lead, held on to take them down. So, fam, you rallies, the fans are smiling just a little bit. Uh, not enough for them in terms of 2-5, and five, but now they're 2-1 in the mid, sticking around and know they're not going to be the worst team in terms of what's going on in the mid. So, two games straight for them. Coach Holmes breathing just a little bit easier. Not sure if it's going to be enough. In terms of the full season, but uh, he at least, uh, as he started off setting negative records, he's now been able to put two uh, big wins in a row. Again, told you that Bethune, Cookman, South Carolina State, got to put your name on that. Odd one here is you have Morgan State. They step out of conference play. You don't do it. You don't see much of that this late in the season, obviously, uh, particularly at the FCS level. We just talked about some of that in the Southland. Morgan State uh, will travel to Villanova. Villanova. Uh, six and one, three and zero overall, playing big time. Uh, CIA in terms of uh, how they're competing, top twenty-five program. Morgan State 
is now a winning record at four and three, one and three. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes on. The other one uh, matchups shouldn't be any problem for North Carolina Central to get back to their winning ways after a tough loss to Morgan State uh, during uh, Morgan State's homecoming that they lost at one point, twenty-one twenty nail biter there. Savannah State uh, will travel to Raleigh to play North Carolina Central and Hampton and Delaware State. So one of these teams will get a chance to add another ledger win on the winning side of the ledger, I should say, in regards to Hampton being at 1-6, while Delaware State is 2-6, two 2-2 and six, two and two in the MEAC. Hampton is looking for their first win in the MEAC. So that would be interesting to kind of see if they can get that done. But the Hampton Pirates over there told you, uh, the lady that I was – that's the department chairperson at Hampton Kinesiology. Uh, had some interest in that she's actually a FAMU graduate undergrad now at Hampton, and she uh, is a football fan, so she'll be listening to the podcast I told about it and some other radio shows that I do as well. So just wanted to throw in something about the Hampton Pirates there, and kudos to her. Kudos indeed. Thank you very much, Doc, as always. <clears throat> do you want – I'm giving you a chance, Doc. Do you want to uh, – Talk about the World Series matchup. It's to be interesting in regards to the Because you know I'm not going to. Right. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I think we, for due process, we, we should shine a little light on that matchup. You have one team that's probably the, one of the hottest baseballs to play in postseason winning, what, eight straight games, I believe it is, uh, with the Kansas City Royals, first time back in the series since the uh, 80s. So they're riding high. Can they maintain it against the San Francisco team that is used to playing for champions of late? You know, they failed for the longest time in regards to it, but made it run. This is their, what, third World Series in the last five years, I believe it is, winning two of them during that period of time. Maybe a little bit off in terms of the exact numbers there, but just giving you a framework in terms of what you should see. A lot of excellent pitching. Both teams are hot, putting big-time games. You have a lot of tough games. One-run games, late ball games, home runs in the games. I think the World Series will be similar to what you've just seen coming out of the League Championship Series. I would give the edge as hot as the Kansas City Royals, and I would love to see them do it. I think I'm going to have to go with the team that has done it of late, which is the Giants uh, in terms of just finding a way to get it done. But I think it will be an excellent series, and one for those that are baseball fans, at least seek the teeth in and get some fun out of it. I don't think you're going to get any rating breaking uh, in regards to what you're seeing in the World Series, but generally I still think it's pretty good for baseball. They do have to find a way to do a better job of marketing where the games are played. Uh, with the new contract with Fox, as Fox tries to get in the business with ESPN, um, Fox obviously is proud of what they're able to do and what they want to do, and they should do that. And I think in not too distant future, a little bit better position, but I'm not sure. I've seen a lot of people, including myself, having some trouble just finding where the games are played on the platforms between TBS, uh, TNT, and Fox in regards to that. When I say Fox, that's FX, the Fox Sports 1 show. I saw something on Twitter about the Giants game, Giants-St. Louis, was on Fox Sports 2, and a person retweeted and commented about the tweet that he didn't know a Fox Sports 2 even existed. Right. So I clearly didn't know it one existed. So yeah. 
I, I'm, as you said, I'm a nerd, not only a nerd in terms of engineering, what I do, professor in the classroom, but when Fox Sports rolled out their platform, I recall that they were rolling out a Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2. So they did that at the beginning, so I definitely can understand why a lot of people uh, may not have known because when they rolled out Fox Sports 1, they rolled it out as the main tier, and that's the one that a lot of people got free. Uh, as they were negotiating their contracts. So you wouldn't have gotten Fox Sports 2 unless you had one of those all, basically all sports packages and kind of went across it and saw it. And they spent a lot of time to make sure they got Fox Sport 1 out there. Uh, so most people just saw that. But they really tried our framing, if you would, the same thing that you see ESPN is doing with ESPN 1 and ESPN 2. They just rolled them out at the same time. So Fox Sports 2 is their off-channel, which is still interesting that you'd play the Major League Baseball game on your yeah. second channel of your sp- sports tiers. It would be like the NFL playing a playoff game on ESPN 2. I'm not sure you would see that. So that's why I kind of bring that up in regards to the business side of what Major League Baseball is doing. But I guess they believe Fox Sports is playing enough money that they'll deal with some of these issues in regards to allowing Fox Sports to get their platform going. And remember, Fox Sports does a lot for them during the regular season, particularly in the grind uh, of baseball with the long season, that they do need to make sure they pay them back. I think what's interesting is it's just a couple of years that TNT, TBS, that platform has got into the baseball business, which included the playoffs. You know, they've done an excellent job in terms of marketing TNT in terms of the basketball playoffs. And so now they're trying to do that with Major League Baseball as well. So you'll have a couple of years where people will have to deal with this. And then I think it'll be intriguing moving forward. And it'll be better for the general overall public in regards to the value of sports that they get in their packages out there. Even those like yourself that are not quite baseball enthusiasts. It's not a. Not a not quite, Doc. I'm not a fan. <laughs> I'm not a fan at all. I grew up a baseball fan. Then around 10 or 11, as I say, I saw the light and left baseball alone. So, yes, no longer baseball for me. I doze off when I watch baseball. So, yeah. I understand the game. Not because It's not because I don't understand it. I just, I'd rather do something else with my time. I understand it. And baseball needs to take your attitude serious because I don't think you're the only one out there. Uh, baseball, like you said, grew up with it, follow it. But it gets long in the tooth in terms of regular season. And then I tend to watch it during the playoffs. But even the way it's played in the playoffs with such long games and they want to try to make sure they get both coasts involved so they tend to play later games. And it's not the type of game that you can just watch uh, that late and stay engaged uh, from the standpoint of action. It's one of those games that is suspenseful in regards to it can often comes down to one pitch or one play here or there in terms of a throw or a catch, uh, which keeps you on the edge of your seat. Uh, but you can do a lot of other things while you're doing it and try to get a glance or listen. And so it'll be interesting to see where the game that was the biggest in America, historic framework, will languish with the new NBA television deal that we talked about last week. So it's going to push further in terms of the general populace 
in NFL, even though it dealt with its problem at the beginning of the year. And from a youth league level, it's having some problems. At the professional level, there's no question that they still reign supreme. And then you have the issue with these other sports, with Major League Soccer, World Cup, trying to find its place mm-hmm. in the landscape in America. Uh, pastime, where will it be? And then you still have hockey and then lacrosse to some degree from regional area sports um, that continue to do what they do. Doc, how are your uh, – I see you got your high-tech devices around. I'm assuming you're keeping up with the Cowboys. Yes, I, I did. They just – thank you for allowing me to get a second glimpse here because it was 21-14, but I see that they literally have just scored 27. Des Bryant uh, deep to the left for a 25-yard touchdown pass complete on a go route after they had one completed earlier on the scene. So they're starting to pull away from the Giants 27-14. to uh, Giants, while Cowboys got up, uh, and this will be Des Bryant's second touchdown, which does well for my fantasy football league. I'll throw that in there a little bit. I need that. I appreciate you, Des, showing up today uh, and being a good sport in regards to allowing Murray to get it done on the ground, which is now opening up for him to do what they do in the air. Dallas jumped out seven to nothing. New York quickly got back in the lead 14-7, but let you know that maybe Dallas is a slightly different team. Uh, they slowly marched down the field. Just see a tweet here that from Mike Pereira, the NFL, well, former NFL referee, official, head of officials, says Dez was sh- short of the goal line. It's for him. Should, should be first goal of the one. Okay. Thank you for the update there. Twitter is sometimes can be an amazing thing, listeners. Yeah, it definitely keeps you up and dating on anything. That hurts me on my, my uh, fantasy football because I'm sure they'll now run the ball to We'll, we'll, we shall see. So I don't, I don't know if I'm happy about that, but uh, I guess they need to get it done. It's kind of weird how now you shift the way you watch a game with fantasy football, not only being a fan, but uh, just looking for the score. Now you want to also look at who scores and how they score. Yep. But uh, that's the synopsis on that game there. Uh, so it's still 21-14. Looks like they'll be on the goal line to see if they can kind of put some distance between Well, the J.J. The Watts play uh, the Steelers tomorrow on Monday night. The J.J. Watts. Yeah, you're talking about the Houston Texans. Right, the J.J. Watts. Yes, the Houston <laughs> Watts. Uh-huh. He actually is doing a lot to earn the fact that they should be the Watts team. Uh, he's one of the few bright lights out there. And it's amazing how when it looks like the death is coming to the Texans in regards, he makes a play even on defense to put scores on the board to put them in the game. Uh, they got to get some help from the quarterback position, Fitzgerald. He – you talking Fitz, about the Fitz true definition, Fitzpatrick, yeah. in terms of the true definition of a quarterback is just there to hold the reins. He, he's truly there, but uh, they need a little more than that. They have updated now, as you said, on the, the app that I'm keeping a hold of this, that it is 21 to 14 on the one-foot line. So they have made that update that the referee made in terms of being first and goal at the one. So it'll be interesting to see there. I think another team that you have to look at from the NFL uh, that's stumbling a bit is the Seahawks. Obviously, the major trade that they just had. Traded Percy Harvin to the Jets. Uh, it should be interesting what they lost. His anger management issues, apparently. He just, he's a impetuous baby, apparently. He just is a poor teammate. and If they couldn't trade him, the word is they're going to cut him. That's how fed up they were with him. So 
shows you how much of a head case apparently he must be. Right, and he had some of those issues that were more, everybody thought they were just more about the uh, headaches in Minnesota, but now you find out a little more about that as well. And so, well, they had, Murray did get the one-yard touchdown, as I told you, what they were going to do. Yes, (laughs) as as they go further behind in fantasy football with that touchdown. So, yes. Mm -hmm. So, um, they lost to the Rams today. Yes, the Seahawks lost on the road to the St. Louis Rams. Mm-hmm. And everybody's talking about the trick play that I hadn't seen before, and many people are saying they hadn't seen before on a punt, where the guy had basically two people on the punt side deep mm-hmm. in the territory, and the guy on the left side really did an acting job. And, and so the punt went to the guy on the right, and he just really much ran straight down the field because everybody had fanned to tackle or get in position to tackle the deep receiver on this, the left side. The second punt return, excuse me, fake punt that the Rams ran, because I believe they ran it, did it twice in the game, was fourth down, roughly three minutes left in the game, at their own 15-yard line, clinging to a lead. So Jeff Fisher called this, it's a ballsy call. Yeah. To do a fake punt that yeah. deep in your own territory. But even with that, the game <clears throat> ended on a controversy in terms of a fumble that was not a fumble. That was a fumble that ultimately was not a fumble. It's so football is football. See how you make out of that part of that. That's pretty much the framework from there. There's one thing that I kind of thought is timely this time of the year that I wanted to kind of jump out there and put out there that some people follow that will give us an area framework, which is top 25 for high school football. I don't want to get into whole 25, but a couple of teams in here. Looking at uh, Texas-wise, Allen at number two, 7-0. And then, uh, obviously, you have another top 25 team in DeSoto at number 13 at 6-0. It be interesting. Where are our Houston teams in terms of the top 25 framework? Uh, what's going forward? Other team that's doing really well at 6-0 is Booker T. Washington of Miami, Florida, in terms of some of their games have been against other top 10 teams in the preseason as they start to do it, as they continue to roll. So it'll be interesting we start getting to the high school playoff spot. I thought that was something to throw out some love out there for the high school side where the students are getting it done in terms of top 25 teams. And that's a top 25 ranking from USA Today. Number one team is Bishop Gorman High School out of Las Vegas, Nevada. Told you Allen High School is number two. Booker T. Washington is number three. De La Salle is back at it, and Concord, California is number four, and Coquit County High School out of Moultrie, Georgia is number five. To give you five of the top ten teams. Sneak in there is Miami Central High School, Miami, Florida. That'll be an interesting matchup for those two teams. I think uh, there was Booker T. Washington played at Miami Central High School, and Central has one loss coming up there. So some things out there at the high school level throwing that on. And Allen, isn't Allen the team that played in in a six million dollar stadium that that they, they do shut not, down that they not playing in right, right. now? Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's correct. Because that Allen poor uh, construction basically and the cracks and everything. And so yeah, how money, does that happen? Money not well spent. Oh, to in many different levels for many. Different Only in people. Texas, maybe not football is king. 
Speaking of football, I'm going to put on my University of Houston alum, alumni cap and be critical of my fellow alums and their lack of attendance in Friday's game versus Temple. I want to get this, the actual, the announced attendance right before I really go in, go in on my fellow alums. But the game was on, I believe, ESPNU. Friday night, kickoff, 8 o'clock. Great weather. It wasn't muggy. It wasn't hot. You know, it was a nice, pleasant evening. But I feel very safe in saying there were more folks at some high school football games mm. than were at the U of H Temple football game. just talk about high school, yeah. Yes, so... U of H alums say, U of H says, wow, it's bad links on the U of H athletic football site uh, for the stats. So let's see if I can try another spot to see if I can find it. As, But, you know, we're, we're tier one university in academics when doing these great things. We've got a brand new football stadium. They added a second video board across from the jumbo board just on the corner. So that to keep adding things to the football stadium that are is great. The season opener, home opener, the debut of the stadium, a lot of incomplete things at, at the stadium. It makes me wonder why what happened to banners around the video, why the second video board wasn't there, what took so long with all these things that are now seemingly in place and the improvements, why they weren't in place August 29th, 2014. But the attendance left a lot to be desired. There were empty sections inside TDECU Stadium. It was clear. I'm not sure if the TV camera zoomed in on the lower level or just zoomed in on the student section, which was sold out. Kudos to the students. Oh, the announced attendance was 21,471. That's the announced attendance. I believe the capacity for TDECU Stadium is is roughly 40,000. Okay. So you're saying it was half full, or you can say it was half empty. I did get the glimpse of it while I was up in Ann Arbor, and it didn't look like it. Thank you. So all of our hopes and aspirations of being big-time football power and, and football, being in the football business, as some of our colleagues like to reference it, 21,000, a half-full stadium is not a positive sign if you want to be in the football business, especially if you have hopes and aspirations of being part of the Power Five in the near future. If you hope that the Pac-12 or the Big 12 come calling, <laughs> you only have 20,000 people in your stadium, they're not going to come calling. Correct. No, if you... And, Plans, hopes is that they get to a point where they have to expand TDECU Stadium to sixty thousand. Well, that ain't gonna be. That's not gonna happen if you can't even sell out forty thousand. So I'm I'm challenging the Cougar alums. I had tickets. I bought my tickets. I was there. So I'm challenging all the. And this is the announced attendance. So that means that's turnstiles. So that wasn't like like the Rockets do, and they say well. Tickets were sold and, and they just weren't butts in the seats. 
Right. That means they only sold 21,000 tickets. So that is a problem. So U of H athletics, U of H alums need to do a better job. If you want to support, hey, I know I'm not happy with Tony Levine. I'm not happy with Travis Bush as the OC or Levine and the sporting offense. But I am a Houston Cougar. I am a University of Houston graduate. And I support athletics. Hell, I got a press pass. I don't have to spend money to support U of H athletics. I choose to do so because it's my school and I love my school. And I, there are 35,000 students on campus, I think, Doc. So 35,000 students, but there's only 21,000 fans at the game. Wow. So we need to do better. And it's been an, and it, one of the things we said for years, we need to return to campus, get a stadium on campus, stop playing in Nashville, Dome, you lose the atmosphere, blah, 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 all these things. Well, we have a campus on, have a stadium on campus now. 21,000 folks is, is an embarrassment. We need to do better. And it can't just be the opponent. We need to buy tickets. We need to support our school because it's our school. Because if we don't do it, who else will? Once again, Doc, how can folks find you on the social media platforms? Yes, they can find me at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. Social media platforms, uh, Instagram, Twitter, as well as Facebook. You can also find me right here on the podcast as we release uh, Sunday night uh, on Tuesdays on KCOHradio.com, www.kcohradio.com every Tuesday from 7 to 8. You can listen to me for Dr. Ville's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Ryan McGinty, Mike Washington, as well as Charles Bishop as the sports commentators talking about the landscape and a weekly report of HBCU Sporting News with a review and a preview with the entire top 10 poll ranking. Callers are welcome to call in and discuss 713-726-1230 in regards to what is going on there. Again, just listen in www.kcohradio.com. You can also email me directly at kcaville at thd-agency.com. I can send you a report of uh, my seven-day weekly report that I've just lined out in regards to HBCU power pack of information you get on various different media platforms. Um, so send me an email at kcaville at thd-agency.com as part of Dr. Cavill's Classic Cuts Weekly HBCU Sports Series presented to you by THG Agency. That will give you all the different media platforms that you can get me uh, during a week's period of time. Outstanding, sir. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Once again, that's Houston Round Ball Review. It's HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube. It's a little different on Twitter. Twitter, it's T H E H R Review. Once again, that's T H E H R Review. You can catch our podcast on SoundCloud.com. That's SoundCloud.com, as well as on iTunes. It's free to listen on iTunes, free to listen on SoundCloud.com. So you can listen to us on those places as well as direct links on 
HoustonRoundBarView.com, the website. You can check out my men's and hoops blogs where I see info about from college basketball, pro basketball, the schedules that ESPN announced for men's and women's college basketball. That's on the each blog. Go there for that as well as I mentioned earlier. There's my interviews with Tyler Summit, the head coach at La Tech. Mike Rose, the new head coach at, for the Rice Isles men's basketball team, and Greg Williams, uh, women's basketball coach for Rice. Also, we have our KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. Fans, you're being shy. You're not. You're not helping us out here. You're not giving us enough comments and critiques and questions on the Facebook page. So, please do that. But thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Thank you for telling your friends about the podcast. Thank you for the tweets. Thank you for the retweets. We're going to keep doing this. I think we'll try to shoot for this, uh, another podcast next Sunday once again. And then Wildcat and I will head off to New York next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday for the men's and women's media days for the American Athletic Conference. I think the men's uh, media day will be, part of that will be on ESPNU. So you, you, who knows? You might see the Wildcat and, and and me walking around the back in the background while we're interviewing players and coaches. So look for that on ESPNU. I have info about the about the schedule on my men's hoops blog. So uh, as I mentioned, the U of H men's and women's basketball media day will be October 21st. I'll miss that, but I'll interview Coach Sampson and Coach Huey in New York at the American Athletic Conference media day the following week. Wildcat should be at the U of H on Tuesday, so you can check, go to his blog for for that information and for, for those interviews. So we got you covered. I haven't got about the Rockets. NBA season is about to start. Injuries bug is is still permeating throughout the NBA. Uh, the NBA today tried a little experiment, had a 44-minute basketball game, 11, four 11-minute quarters. That's nice and all, but I'd much rather have a shorter NBA season. That's not going to happen because that means less revenue for the players and the owners. So that's right. That won't happen anytime soon. But Doc, thank you as always, gentlemen. Thank you as always for your knowledge and your insight and your time. Thank you. We're going to wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.